You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for January 7th, 2024, the first Sunday after the Epiphany. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Peter Walsh. It's based on Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. Uh, Good morning again, and good morning to those of you who are streaming with us. So, uh, as many of you know, I was on sabbatical in the fall, and when I was in India, I went and had some body work done. I was in a place that was uh, so far away from my normal life, it would be almost unimaginable to think about. I looked it up yesterday, and I was uh, 6,859 miles from New Canaan, and I was in an obscure town in an obscure back street of this obscure town. And I was visiting with a healer who I had seen the day before. The only thing I knew about her was that she had a short haircut and both of her arms were completely tatted into sleeves. And in the two days I was with her, I had three experiences uh, that changed my life. Uh, I spoke about the vision that many of you, some of you heard during my Christmas sermon, the vision of being, being as in human beings or sentient beings. And this morning I'd like to say a little bit about a vision I received uh, about being loved by the divine. And I was uh, on a massage table, which most of us have been on, and I was on my back, uh, and there was chant music being played, and I had a black covering over my eyes, and she was uh, working on the back of my neck. Some of you have had that, and you know how great that feels, and uh, I hold all of my tension right in the back of my neck. If you've been to Rockefeller Center and you've seen Atlas, carrying the earth, that is where I carry my earth on the back of my shoulders. And the day before when she had uh, touched the back of my shoulders, I I cried for perhaps 15 straight minutes uh, of all the pain that I was carrying in my body. And uh, on this day, she was touching it and I I didn't cry and I was just there and her hands moved up and she touched uh, the bottom lobe of my ears, and then with absolutely no warning, uh, 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 something happened, an interior door opened. It was though uh, the, the human plane that, that we all live on uh, opened up uh, to the divine plane above, and immediately I was caught up in a divine bliss that radiated from above. In the upward distance, I looked up and I saw a woman, a god or a goddess or a manifestation of God. I I didn't know what. Uh, And I saw her from the waist up in a kind of flowing garment that was shadowed. And I remember wondering if she was in the lotus position, but I I couldn't see. And she was backlit, uh, bathed from behind in a deep reddish purple uh, with sort of reddish tinges around the edge of that, uh, contrasted by a very rich and deep yellow light. It was a combination, it was colors I'd actually never really seen before, uh, and certainly a combination of colors I had never seen together. And in the shadows, I could see that she had a cone-like headdress on that we sometimes see in depictions of the Buddha or a holy people of the East. And I remember wondering uh, who she was, if she was a god or a goddess, whether or not she was Shiva, and I I don't really know much about Shiva. Uh, 
but I wondered that, and then I thought about how I was on the back streets, and of course I immediately thought of Bruce Springsteen and my favorite Bruce song. Uh, but I wasn't really on the back streets. I was almost on a, a back alley in this obscure Indian town far off the trail, and I wondered uh, if I was, had been deeply influenced by the images around me. And I thought about Mary, the mother of our Lord, and I stared into this sublime face, wondering if it was Mary that was looking down upon me. Uh, she didn't speak, and <laughs> this was not a time for asking questions, and I, I didn't speak, but I remember having a millisecond of wishing I could ask her who she was. Uh, her whole front was in shadow, except for her face, uh, and the look on her face was completely unforgettable. In fact, after the experience, I, I went into every religious shop, and I was in places where there's a lot of religious shops, trying to find <clears throat> a depiction of this face. Uh, it was uh, sublime, I think is a way to describe that. Uh, the softness of her features and the character of her, character of her skin which was radiant, glowing. And she smiled upon me. She didn't smile at me, she smiled upon me. She was above me, but her penetrating gaze upon me uh, seemed to be all-knowing and all-loving. She had the most gentle upturning of her lips, and in that seemed to convey to me uh, a great pleasure for who I was, just as I was, and it had always been that way. I thought of how much of my life I had spent trying to earn something, and I felt just delightfully released from trying to earn anything anymore. Her tender and unblinking eyes radiated, and they conveyed an otherworldly love that was so complete uh, and so divine that my spirit was transported, it was inflamed. Um, I arced my back like a lover, and I tilted my interior eyes and my heart upward, trying to close the gap between us and trying to see if I could rise into the love that radiated down upon me. But it became clear that I wasn't going anywhere. I couldn't close the gap. And I moaned like a lover. And I thought, at least for a moment, how awkward that must be because I was in the room with a woman who I didn't know. Uh, and what I experienced, it didn't feel like ecstasy. It was not uh, a wild emotion that came and it went. And it uh, was not erotic. I, there was no physical response, but it was bliss, and I loved being blissfully loved. I never ever wanted it to end, and I could imagine no greater experience possible for any soul. I realized while I was experiencing this that, that God loved me more than I loved myself. And I could feel the bliss of the loving gaze, an unseen elixir. I, I don't know how, it, quite how to convey it besides elixir, 
the essence of God com being the communicative, uh, th that, which, that which completed the communication and that that essence was love, just as one John tells us that God is love. And I remember thinking that our word love is such a weenie word. Uh, we love people, we love pizza. And that the love that I experienced didn't fit into the word love. You know, Eskimos have 29 words for snowflakes. And we have basically one word. Greek has three words. But we need 29 words to describe what this love is. Because it's not love, it's beyond love. And I remember when this was happening to me that I wished that every person in the whole world could experience what I was experiencing. And I thought about the wreckage wrought upon the world by all of us who do not know that we are loved by the divine and how much of our lives are wasted trying to earn love or respect from people or peers or even from ourselves or from some family system. And I thought about how much all of our grabbing wars grew out of people and were driven by people who knew nothing of the divine love that they should be experiencing. Because to experience this divine love is to radically turn down our own neediness. There is a completion in the love that just is. It just is, regardless of all other things. Now, I tell you this story as a way, there's much more to say about that, but I tell you the story as a way into thinking about what happens to Jesus in the gospel that Elizabeth just read to us. Jesus has a monumental, personal, mystical experience <clears throat> after he has been baptized by John and is walking up and out of the river. And the experience comes just as by going into the river, he plunges into the muddiness of all of our human lives, to the atlas-like stuff that we carry through our lives. And it is though in the moment of plunging into the who we are-ness of things, that, that the Spirit of God the Father and the Spirit of the Spirit cannot stand it. And they have their own blissful experience, their own explosive experience. And the skies are torn apart and the Spirit races and lands upon Jesus like a dove. Now, in my story, in my experience, I was fully part of the divine plane and I, I sought to enter the, the, I mean on the human plane, and I sought to enter the divine plane because you can't experience this and not want to enter the divine plane. But this is just the opposite and Jesus is not even comparable to my experiences. What I said again, it's just a doorway into his experience, that the divine plane comes to him. So the, the explosion out of the, the torn apartness of the heavens uh, uh, descending uh, onto his soul, onto the complete fullness of his, of his inner spiritual life. Uh, the story of the baptism of John 
is not about John the Baptist, and it's not about sin, and it's not about who's number one, John or Jesus. The story of the baptism of Jesus is about love, and it is a divine love story. It's an identity story. It's an awakening story for Jesus. This is Jesus' epiphany. Epiphany means manifestation of God in Christ. This is where he understands that manifestation for himself. And so he experiences this divine love, and in experiencing the love, he experiences his identity. And we get in the spare words of Mark, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. Well, this is biblical language, this is biblical talk, this is Bible speak, and if we only spoke Bible, we would hear those words and go, woo, wow, smoking. But we don't, we don't speak Bible. And, uh, and in fact, many of you may know Monty Python. Uh, those folks are incredibly well theologically trained. Uh, Monty Python has a parody of this where the cloud is talking. Remember the jaw in the cloud, God the Father saying, hey, you, you, you on the sidewalk kind of thing. Uh, very funny. Identity is wrapped up in love. Your identity is wrapped up in love. What you love, regardless of what you love, has to do with who you, how you think of yourself. And identity is wrapped up in love. In this case, uh, it's love with a capital L for the divine being of God is love with a capital L. I, yesterday I typed into Wikipedia, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And I have to tell you, Wikipedia killed it. This is what Wikipedia said. The tenderness of God the Father toward Jesus reveals God's character. God's love, even for his son, is central to who he is. In other words, the very being of God and the very being of Jesus is this divine love that is beyond our categories. And there are some conceptions of God, I mean, known as deism in particular, where God is a distant, um, almost impersonal, kind of like sacred energy. But that's not, that, that, that movement in the 1700s has fallen away because it's personal and it's particular. You'll notice that uh, God, uh, the Father, says, you, going to Jesus, you are, I mean, this is very particular, you are my son. And this is son with a capital S. The capital S-ness of it means Jesus' particular and new, uh, unique relationship. Uh, and then it says, the beloved. I love the word beloved, but it's still too small a word. Uh, and in Matthew's Gospel, it says, this is my son, whom I love. Uh, but in Matthew's Gospel, you may remember that Matthew understands that the Spirit is speaking to the whole crowd. Now, because we're in the Bible, it just leaves it at that. But we would completely miss this if we didn't understand that this for Jesus was his mystical epiphany. And it must have been blissful beyond bliss. I mean, it, it must have been so um, <laughs> otherworldly fulfilling and clear that he knew so much of who he was, he lived in an unwavering way based on this moment. Now, we all know that 
there are three places where we can get our identity. Uh, the first is from the outside world, uh, you know, what, what others say about you. And Jesus even does this. Don't you love it when Jesus gets the disciples together and he says, who do you say that I am? Uh, this morning when I was preaching at 9 o'clock, we all came up with the idea that the next time you get together with your friends or your dinner party, you might want to clink the glass and ask everybody, so who do you say that I am? Uh, and, and this is, you know, our friends, our frenemies, our resume, you know, our pecking order that we're a part of, or imagined pecking order. The other day I read an article about a, an Olympic swimmer who finished swimming at the age of 21, and she said that her identity had always been pegged to her swim times. And when the times went away, she didn't know who she was. Now, we can also get our identity from the nexus of nature and nurture. Those of you who heard my Christmas sermon uh, uh, heard me launch a little bit into the wonders of the body uh, and how our genetic imprint is ancient and goes back. Uh, and also, this includes the family system that we're raised in, and it includes the collective choices that we have made for our full lives. Think for a moment about how many choices you have made to get you where you are, watching this stream, sitting in this church, and maybe choices you didn't make, but when you don't make a choice, you're still making a choice. Of course, the third place that we get our identity from is from the unblinking uh, gaze of divine love. And uh, this is a identity that is a soul identity. This is a core identity. And uh, it renders all other identities as secondary or inconsequential. And people who find this identity and live in this identity live their life to the highest purpose. They fulfill the highest purpose of their lives. They are not dragged down by gamesmanship or energy-sucking questions of belonging. They don't try to play king of the hill or the popular kid at middle school gets transferred into adulthood. Now, Jesus had this, this identity in the divine gaze completely. He never altered his who he isness. Never, never. He didn't alter who he was in the midst of adoration, and he did not alter who he was in the midst of hatred. I mean, he went even unto death. And he did not alter who he is in the face of his family, who on several occasions tried to stop him because they thought he was a wacko. In just a moment, we're going to do the coolest thing, which is we're going to, we're going to baptize some folks. And baptism is initiation into the church, and that is true. But on a deeper level, it's the initiation into a journey that finds its fullest expression in the realization and the experience of the divine gaze, of knowing that each of us is loved fully and completely, more than you love yourself, and at a deeper level. And that in that gaze, we find who we are, regardless of any exterior consequences of family or world. And baptism is to initiate us into a journey in Christ and with Christ that leads, if it comes to its fullest expression, to the most free, wildly alive, 
life-giving life, manifestation of your highest purpose, which is to love. It's to be loved and to love. We spend our lives doing a lot of other stuff, but the meaning of our life is this love. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanaan.org.